Golden Spiral Media presents The Devil You Know, a Constantine podcast. Episode 3, The Devil's Vinyl. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Devil You Know, a Constantine podcast. I'm Tony Caselli. And I'm Papa Zettelmeyer. And, oh, I like that. Thank you. Papa Joe Zettelmeyer. <laughs> Papa Joe Zettel Midnight. Papa Joe sounds too much like a pizza joint. <laughs> now I want pizza. Welcome back to The <laughs> Devil You Know, everybody, where we are discussing episode three of the NBC show Constantine, which, of course, is based on the DC slash Vertigo comic Hellblazer. So, Joe, episode three, what'd you think? Easily my favorite of the series to date. I agree. Really fun stuff going on. We're really settling into who the characters are. Um, there's just, there's a lot of fun stuff going on in this episode. Is it a perfect episode? No. But it's a really strong one, yes, I thought. Yes, I agree. Not perfect, but um, I felt like it's starting to become the show we hope that it will become. That is exactly how I felt. Yep. So, so a couple more details. Uh, this episode was written by Mark Verheiden who has written a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, he's a producer, writer all over Battlestar Galactica. Uh, TV, especially a lot of cool genre TV. Yeah, right. Battlestar Galactica, Falling Skies, Heroes, uh, lots of like Smallville kind of things, which is uh, just right up our alley, so that's perfect. Agreed. And then it was directed by Romeo Tyrone. Romeo Tyrone, he's done a lot of stuff. Are you guys close? You know, I mean, not as close as we used to be. There's that thing that happened. But... Oh, yeah, well, awkward. <laughs> He has directed things like Sleepy Hollow and True Blood and a lot of, much like Mark Verheyen, he has a, a, a nice long history in genre TV. I've never watched True Blood. Have you watched that? I got to be honest, man. I watched the fir the first two seasons were fan-freaking-tastic. Oh, yeah? But boy, did it get bad fast. <laughs> real, well, real, real bad. True Blood fans, you can you can feel free to send your I feel confident that most free True Blood fans would completely agree with me on that. <laughs> this episode also was written, I forgot to mention, uh, it was uh, co-written by Mark Verheiden and David Goyer, the main man executive producer of Constantine. And one of the people I've got to throw out, uh, I can't believe I didn't recognize this before, because he wrote last week's episode, and he's apparently, I want to say, consulting producer for the show, Rockney O'Bannon. Farscape Rockney O'Bannon. Farscape Rockney O'Bannon. Tony and I are both huge Farscape fans. So good. Uh, God, I loved that show. Man! And it just makes me happy to know that Rockney O'Bannon is out there making more good genre TV. Aaron's son. Oh, Aaron. Chiana. All right. Episode recap. Recap. <laughs> This episode, Joe, I, I'm going to give this eight and a quarter screwdrivers in my temple. <laughs> um, I would I would actually, yeah, give it a solid eight, eight point five hands of glory. Eight point, ooh, all the way up to eight point five hands of glory. Nice. I, I could, there was still enough going on that bugged me. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't go Low all moments. the way to eight and a half. But I did feel like it was a little bit better than the the premiere. Yes. Which I think I gave an eight. If I didn't, looking back at this, that's what I'm retroactively grading it right now. So, <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty. Regardless of whatever happened before. I believe it's irregardless. I believe it's shut up. 
So the cold open on this was kind of fun. Yep. I like the fact that it was creepy and dark. Yeah. I've said from the beginning that that the further they go down that direction, the more this feels like the Hellblazer. I think they actually went down that direction based on our recommendations. Probably. I mean, it's the only thing that really makes sense. Right. There's no way they filmed that before they <laughs> are thinking about it. But the, I am excited about the fact that uh, it is going a little more toward that. There were some really cool dark gross, creepy, special effecty things going on and and moods and, you know, the people blowing up in the radio station right. and, and behind the windows. The first time we see Constantine in this episode, he is covered in blood. Yeah. Covered. And there, when in the in the cold open at the very top, when the woman who we don't know yet is skulking around this abandoned place, there's all sorts of dead, gross things going yep. on. Now, that being said, I have a question about the opening because... It was neat. It was gross. It was dark and spooky. You're Looking sure. back on it, how come? Yeah. No, it, I I mean, obviously we need to see it happen. Well, I guess we don't need to see it happen. It's the, you know, it's the inciting event. It's what gets the, you know, the guy kills himself, stabs. <gasps> no, no. I'm not even talking about that because I like that part. Oh, yes. That part I loved that she took the, uh, that, that the guy killed himself, you know, I mean. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. For yeah, me, yeah, yeah. right at the beginning of the episode, she's walking through to find, you know, she's following what her private detective told her. Right. Go here, you'll through find this. Right. Through the Moonrise Studios, and there's all these dead animals tacked up and things. Why are there all dead animals tacked up all over the place? The place, she breaks into it. It looks like it hasn't been, but clearly somebody's been there recently because there's dead animals bleeding all over the place. Right. One, that deer kicked and was creepy and gross. It kicked twice, which oh, was right. uh, fabulous. And But I don't understand why the dead things were there. Tony, you can't make a satanic omelet without breaking some souls. Right, but th there's no satanic omelet there. Did I misunderstand what that was? I'm not positive what it was either myself, honestly. I mean, I, there's a part of me that wonders, is it, you know, do things die in proximity to this album? Um, sure, it maybe. It sure seems like it. Maybe. But yeah, you know, there were there were no answers to that. There was It was, you know, sometimes you, you have extra props left over from Halloween and you want to use them. Right? It sort of felt like that. So that bugged me a little bit because on one side, one hand, I really liked the dark, creepy, this is yucky yep. darkness that the show embraced. But on the other hand, I, I didn't understand it at all looking back on the episode. When you're in it, you're like, oh, cool, gross, what's there? Right. But this is a place where this record has been hidden since the 30s. I guess. Ooh. So recently someone has started spray painting pentagrams right over the spot. X marks the spot where the creepy record is. It has been hidden and no one knows where it is. And tacking up dead animal. I, I still don't understand why those were there. Let me throw this one out to the listeners. What do you guys think? We'd love to hear your thoughts on that because we were kind of in the dark. So that's my one of my big silly complaints right there. But, that's legit. So from that though lots of cool things happened she finds the record she takes it again <laughs> to to her friend the producer again this is a thing that i sort of question it's awesome that she takes it there he's running some very cool spectrum analysis things on it right anytime anybody says whatever you do don't listen to it how do you think that's going to turn out right that was a murder mystery with one suspect one thing was going to happen right, exactly you're just like okay now we wait two minutes of screen time till the guy puts the headphones on because you know he's going to yep at least he did not shove a sharp object into his skull wait Ooh, yeah, yeah. exactly what he did which 
I actually, again, liked because right. I thought it all worked well. But why was she there in the first place? Backing up, overall story, she sold her soul, her soul to the devil to save her husband Correct. and make him a famous musician. Correct. Another devil said, hey. Papa Midnight or somebody came to her and said, if you broker your this whole thing, we'll, we'll, we'll solve it and get us this record. And we'll get you your soul back. So what is she doing taking the record over to Spectrum Analysis Guy for? She gets this record. Great. Get the record. Tuck it away in a safe place instead of where your daughter's going to get it. Hello, plot point that goes nowhere. (laughs) Super true. And then take the record out of the safe place where your daughter won't get it and give it to the guy. I feel like it wouldn't be a horror movie if people did not do incredibly stupid things <laughs> that made us go, come on! I will give you that, and Jasmine made a bunch of them. So that's fine. That's that, Those were my big... When, Jasmine, if you're going to store like, the what? record at home, store it somewhere high where people cannot just take it. Right. And in general, if you put something that you know is imbued with the power of the devil on your bookshelf, and everything starts <laughs> freezing... Maybe move it. Maybe don't put it there. Maybe don't let your you know, little daughter see it and then just leave it there. Maybe now is the time to open. rent a storage space. Uh, maybe just a lockbox. A truck of your car. Whatever. Anything. Yeah. Uh, that being said, it's hard for me to be mad at her because she was played by the incomparable <laughs> uh, Joel Carter, who I love, love, love. Clearly... The creators of this show are big fans of Justified, which is another show. It's one of my all-time favorite shows on TV. Uh, the, we, we're three episodes in. Each episode has featured a major player yeah, that's from Justified. Right. Episode one, we had Jeremy Davies, a.k.a. Dickie Bennett, Emmy Award winner for the show. Last week's episode, we had James LaGrosse as the fallen preacher, uh, who is a reoccurring character on Justified as well. And then this week, we had Joelle Carter, who's one of the main cast of Justified. She's one of the like main title cast since season one. That's very cool. You know what? If you're going to steal, steal from the best. And Justified is the best. There you go. Now you know. So she did a nice job. I liked oh, her yeah, performance. She's I, I just had a problem with some of the way that some of the things her character did were. Oh, yeah. Were I mean, it makes me fear that, you know, if society is going, if these, you know, psychic magical things are in the hands of people like Jasmine, we're doomed. Right. We're doomed. <laughs> we have no chance. So the expected happens when the guy is told <laughs> not to listen to it, listens to it and kills himself. And then we skip over to Zed showing up at the cabin with her sketchbook. That's how it? she got there. Yep. I have to say something about the cabin real quick. It's something I forgot to say last oh, week. Oh, yeah. Here's an exciting thing, folks. Just er, justified, not justified. Constantine was shot. A good bit of it was shot in Rome, Georgia. I know this because that's where I went to college. And the mill and a lot of the surrounding areas are actually shot on the Berry College campus, which I have been to many times. Not only have I been to the Berry campus many times, I have visited the old mill many times. It struck me as vaguely familiar when I saw it, and I was talking to a friend of mine from college. He was like, yeah, they shot all of that in Rome. And I flipped my lid. I have been to Constantine's scary hideaway you hung out at jasper's place i sure have that's awesome and but the for those of you who are looking for a beautiful campus uh berry college is the largest campus in america it is breathtaking breathtakingly beautiful also we'd like to thank the berry college for uh, their uh, sponsorship and checks wait what 
Uh, nothing. So <laughs> when you were there, was it bigger on the inside? Um, no. But wow, we have two blatant Doctor Who re- uh, references two in this great episode. Doc- yeah, absolutely. The his little uh, psychic paper. Come on, I mean, it's it's a, he has a card that is the exact. It's the Doctor Who psychic what was paper. It, the nine of diamonds, the six of diamonds. I think like so. That. And yeah, that was great. It just becomes whatever right. the holder needs it to do. Which... And I mean, let's be honest, who would not want one of those things? Right. And we're jumping around a little bit, but I, I had a question because I, did they get it back? Are we going to see right. it again? The, the bum ran off with it, right. I thought. I think probably the bum dropped it when he got hit by the big lead pipe from oh, Zed. Uh, that's my guess. Maybe. We don't see him pick it up, but I'm going to say he does so that we can use it in later episodes. I hope so. <laughs> so I do like that Zed showed up at the cabin with just no real directions from John. Right. He sort of was like, yeah, if you could find me, great. Let's see what happens. And she did. Yeah, you still kind of, you can't really tell if John really wants her there or not. Well, and he said as much to Chas, which yeah. I liked, which was, yeah, she, she's got some skills and she's not bad to look at so i'll keep her around but she just shows up could be too coincidental who knows easily my favorite line in the episode was you talk about her being a psychic smorgasbord she can pick up psychic impressions from tactile sensation yeah favorite line of the episode which i imagine is a buzzkill in the sack right very funny yes very nice so and that was that whole scene in Jasper's cottage was pretty fabulous right casting a spell to the ramones playing in the background right i love that there he is naked covered in blood learning a spell yep like you do you know like you do while right. listening to the remotes i mean as as joe calls it someday you know yep <laughs> look you worship in your way and i'll worship in mine fair enough don't judge me we did learn uh that apparently there's a shower there yep hooray because God. yep he he pretty quickly showed up cleaned up and dressed in his regular uh, only outfit that he owns uniform yep <laughs> and we did i liked that we learned a little bit more about jasper's cottage in that right there's a hallway of infinity it goes on and on and, and he, even john is not super keen on it yeah that was that was fun no i liked that whole scene i thought again learning a little bit more about how the show's going to work Getting a little more teamwork between the three of them. Yes. Ja- uh, not Jasper. Chas. Chas had so much more to do in this episode. Yeah. And that made me really happy. And one of the things I want to talk about Zed 2, since we're already there, this episode is really kind of solidifying for me that I think Zed is going to be a great fit for this show. Much more so than Liv. She's actively moving the story forward. She's got skills that she's actually using. Yeah. Her, you know, when she had that moment where she stole the key card from right. uh, the guy at the hospital. Yep. And her, she's a skilled con artist she, as much as John is, almost. I mean, yep. we don't know that for sure yet, but she's shown signs of that. And now. she's taking charge. I mean, she's the one who led the, the race to the radio station to the point where even John and Chas were like, <laughs> well, we'll do what she says. We can't do it. I love John's yeah. remark to that. Yeah, we, we don't have to rush off just because she said so. All right, All that right. was long enough. That's long enough. Let's go. But and, just making sure that she knows he's in charge still. And one of the things I like <laughs> about this, too, is the lady with the psychic visions thing is a used trope in genre television. It has been done and done and done and done and done. What I like about the way Zeds work is that they're all 
they're figurative. They're not literal. Right. You, they require interpretation. She, she knows that Jasmine's involved. So how does she acknowledge that? She smells Jasmine. She smells the flower Jasmine. We yeah, see that the was pretty great. Ball. They're going to the Tiger radio station. How does she know this? Because she sees a white tiger. Hanging out in the ambulance. Hanging out in the ambulance. Right. I love that. I love that it requires interpretation. I do too. And I, I liked I the way that they did those visions visually yes. and storytelling wise too. I like that she stands there and suddenly she's in a field of jazz. Right. Yeah. There's no and... big jarring, you know, blinding headache or yeah. flashes of light or anything. It's it's just there. No, it was it was very cool. I liked it a lot. So so based on that, they they agree they're gonna team up and off they go. Yep. To their first case as a little trio. You know, it's interesting. She does say, who says my parents named me? Yeah. We don't know in the show yet. Her father in particular is a very important player in the series. Well, in the comic book, her name is Mary Martin. It is. And we'll find out if that comes to be true in this, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that happens in the comic book. We don't know if that's going to happen. Right. Right. Although this one had some... Had some pretty solid connections to the comic. Oh, absolutely. Which, again, the more they do that, the happier I am. Yeah, very much so. So they're off. They uh, find out, of course, the, the dead guy is a friend of John's. That newspaper article coincides with the, the bleeding stigmata spot, and off they go. To Chicago, the Windy City. I love going into the morgue. <laughs> she stole the key card which was great but i love we get the introduction of more of john's stuff he's got his man purse that she calls it i love it yeah <laughs> and the magic nails magic nails and it's interesting he's got his little kit so that could be a good and could be a bad thing right you, you believe i totally believe that he carries around his kit i love that it has duct tape right i love that there is duct tape in the kit because that's a great thing to have <laughs> It also could be, I would hate for it to be a, a device where anything they need magically comes out of the kit. Right. Because that's already a thing. One of the other worries I have about the show is there are a handful of pretty big convenient coincidences yep. in order to move our story forward. Yep. I'm not a fan of those as far as solutions go. Right. It's fun when they wreak havoc. But when it makes it easier for our heroes, that's when you just go, oh, I think that's lazy storytelling. Cut it, it out. It was my biggest concern with Manny being a part of the show is mm-hmm. we've got this angel. And when Manny showed up in this episode to rescue John, I was kind of like, oh, boy, here we go. Magic Angel shows up and saves the day. <laughs> and he totally didn't, which I loved. Yes. It could not have been less useful. Right. No, absolutely true. I do. <laughs> I Speaking of Manny, we're skipping ahead. Sorry, I do that. I, I'm tangential. No, no. But I loved his second appearance in the hospital yeah. where, <laughs> you know, the producer whose name I've forgotten now is, is, is old an and about to pass away. It says, I think it's about time to go to my reward. What makes you say that? The angel over in the corner. And there's Manny. <laughs> and it just gives John a shush and just has a beautiful little moment with the guy. Yep. I I really enjoyed that moment. Uh, I hope that those continue to happen because it's nice. Again, if you want to see how dark something is, put a little light next to it. Yep. You know, and that back and forth, Manny did a nice, beautiful thing for this guy. Yep. It was a sweet. He didn't come up and punch him over and over till he was dead. He gave him a little kiss. Right. In a loving way. And then let John completely dangle in the wind. 
Right. Later. He rules are rules, dude. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> right. No, that that was fun. Screwed by an angel. So going back a little bit to what we were talking about, we were talking about Zed and her powers, and you were saying that you uh, this episode was another indicator for you that the character change was a good choice. Yeah, I really think so. And I, I agree. One of the things that I liked was she, in some ways, is still serving as our audience proxy. She's still yes. asking and pushing, but she's doing it in a much more productive way. She's a part of John's world. She's not apart from it. Right. And she's also a much more take charge, yeah, you know, uh, type of go getter. I'm not gonna take no for an answer type of person. She's not gonna be led around by the nose. So she's propelling the story forward a lot more, which is nice. No, yep. I like it a lot. And and we, as we've talked about Zed for a second, we have to acknowledge um, uh, we have popped up on Angelica's radar. <laughs> Angelica Salea has. We love you, Angelica. Favorited or retweeted a couple of the tweets from our podcast Twitter feed. So yes, we do love you, Angelica. If you're listening, call me. Not not for dating because I'm married. Uh, I am not married, Angelica. Okay, I'm gonna just leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> and give us a call, everyone, though, uh, on Twitter. Just a reminder, at uh, Constantine GSM is our Twitter feed. We would love you to join us there. Yes. So back to storyline-wise, I love they go into the morgue, and John's decided <laughs> the best way to find out more about the case is to talk to the dead guy, you know? But, you know, that's, again, it's a comic book trope. They do that a lot in this comic book. Sure, lots of things. And... I love the way he does it. He brings out the hand of glory, dun, dun, dun. which we'll talk about later in the myth adventures section, but brings out the thing. It was a great moment because it really seemed to show to me that John is good at what he does, but he's not necessarily super good at planning about it. Nope. Let's see. He's got some rough edges. Where is a good place to bring a thing that's going to wake up the dead? How, How about, about the morgue, morgue? Oh, where there's crap. a whole lot of them? I loved that moment. Use the thing. I need to talk to you. Come on, talk to me. Everybody wakes up. Oh, just that little moment. Yeah, that was not okay. But that's, I mean, even from last week's episode, we had a moment like that where, you know, when the preacher's like, you guys really have not put together the fact that everyone who's dying is a boss at the mine. Right. Oh. Yep. Yeah. And later in this episode, Papa Midnight calls him on. I can't remember what he says, something about your mail order magic. Yeah, he is that what he call said? It, that's exactly what he calls it. Which is funny. Uh. And good, because again, I love the fact that he's an antihero. He's not perfect. No. But. Oh, God, he's far from perfect. Well, but. Again, at the end of this morgue, so we find out some details from the dead guy. That's helpful, and they go off to pursue things. But we learn a little bit more about the cost of what John does. Because yeah. first, yes. thing, first thing is, I loved Matt Ryan's performance when his friend was finally gone. After he had brought him back to get answers, and the candles on the hand of glory went out, and his friend was gone, gone. That was a nice moment. He yeah. closes his eyes, and you see for a minute that he's lost a friend. Yep. And then he even says to her, no, I'm good. I just made one of my best friends relive the worst day of his life, and then he died again. No, I'm great. Good to go. You yep. know, This stuff does cost him emotionally, and I and love that. more than emotionally. Right. And then he tells us that that cost him a couple days off his life. Yep. How often does that happen? Uh, depending on if we're talking about the comic book or not, because this is, again, an established thing. I mean, I loved that now we get to see in the TV show that – 
he's not just dabbling, even right. though he says, I'm gonna, it, it adds, you know, I'm gonna take it, master the dark arts off, I dabble sometimes. But here's a guy who, to get the answer to this, trims a little bit of time off the end of his life to get this answer to save more people. Again, it's a neat introduction to the mythology that I really like, which is, again, magic, magic people using magic in these genre TV shows, it's, it's something that we see a lot. What I like about Constantine is they're saying magic has a price. Yeah. And it's not like a, you know, metaphysical, what does it do to you as a person kind of price. No, it is a literal price. You will live sh a shorter life the more magic you use. Yep. And it really, it, it just lends such gravity to what he does. Very much so. Absolutely. So I really like that part. I like yeah, that they me brought too. it in completely. I also liked the introduction of Mucus Membrane. Mucus Membrane! John's the punk rock band that they had. Oh, <laughs> God. Which is, it's a it's a big part of the comic books. It's it's fun. It's funny. They they saw the Sex Pistols and wanted to be the Sex Pistols. Yeah. And which I love later in the episode, right? he's listening to the Sex Pistols, blaring through his earphones as he's trying to block out the devil music. You know? Mucus Membrane was actually in their, their band in the comic books was a one-hit wonder. And now there's a part of me that is dying to see if their song, because they made a video of the song in the comic books. Yep. And now it's, it's Venus, in a hard, uh, Venus of the Hard Cell. Yeah. And I'm just dying, dying to see it on the show. It would be great. It to would see be so if, funny if to see John doing his best, uh, uh, Sid Vicious. Well, <laughs> I sort of am predicting that it will see it in a different way. That it'll someone will play it. God, someone I will hope be so. Somewhere, and we'll get to see his reaction to. Oh, please, because yeah, I love it. He says we were just a bunch of wankers trying to get laid. Yep. we didn't. You know, which was you know like musicians do. Right, and then we covered ourselves in blood and learned spells, <laughs> like you do. Uh, so funny. So no, great. I loved the hand of glory. More cool magic stuff. The, the left hand of a hanged man. Pickle it in amniotic fluid for seven years. Say a spell, light the fingers, and the dead come back to talk for a little while. You know, how awesome. hard could it be? Right. Good plan if you're in a morgue. Right. And as we continue going forward with the plot, the big thing that happened in this episode that I think is going obviously going to have some pretty significant ramification throughout the whole series, introduction of Papa Midnight. Yep. I really liked him in this. Love him. It's, he's a, a huge part of the comic books. He's easily a big fan favorite. Yes. Papa Midnight, played by Michael James Shaw. A uh, great introduction to a character that is, he's already signed up for at least four episodes this season. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more of him. I love that they acknowledge, they acknowledge so much of who Papa is right from the get-go. Yes. He is, not only is he one of the most powerful practitioners of voodoo, Walken, he is a mob Walken? boss. Christopher Walken. Worst also, choice, voodoo. worst choice for Papa Midnight ever <laughs> casting would have been Christopher Walken. Um, that's not true. Christopher Walken can do anything. He's, um, he's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing he can't do. <laughs> um, but the fact that they acknowledge that he's a, a a drug dealer and a mob boss. Yes. Yeah. He's he's overall not a good guy. No. And yet he, uh, as often as he is working at odds against Constantine, he helps him out a good bit. Too. Even in this episode, yep. he totally let him live. Didn't it's not like he killed him. I know. He just said, I love You're not that. Get that's the like that's the moral compass of the show. Hey, let him live. <laughs> right. Exactly. Didn't kill him. But he could have, you know. He could have. He absolutely could have. It was also fun. He just tied him down and said, yeah, an if you die from this, you die from this. If you don't, nice work. That but means you wanted it. I might come back. It depends on how things go. Right. I'm going to leave you here, though, because I don't want you to get in the way while I do what I need to do. Right. Which was fun. And then, of course, he winds up 
breaking in and sort of saving John from dying when his earphone Sex Pistols thing doesn't quite work. Right. It was a great introduction to a character that I think is going to become, and as we continue going forward, I think he's just going to end up being a bigger and bigger part of the show. Yeah, I hope so, because I liked him a lot. Me too. We didn't even talk yet, Joe, about Chess. Sort of, once again, now, I don't... Did I miss it? Did he basically suicide himself or did he just drive the car through the transmitter thing? I think he just drove it through. I'm not positive. I feel like if it was, I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer of if we don't see the corpse, he didn't die. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now I know that this is like his special power, right? But we didn't quite get the example. I, I don't think unless I, I don't know anybody listening. Did, did I miss it? If you did, I did too. But I like that. He just finally says, yeah, okay. I can't unlock this door. I'm just going to drive through the building. Instead, which was great, and right. it did what it needed to do, which was stop the whole town from hearing the music that the radio station was broadcasting. Well, it's the thing that we've seen with them so many times that I already that I like is they come up with sort of plans, but they're not super great at it. <laughs> There's a lot of winging it with their plans, yes, and I love that, and frankly, hope to see more of it. That they're just they it's it's it they got a riff with it. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't know exactly what's going to happen, so they're just going to play it by ear, and if things go badly, we'll just drive a truck through it. Yeah, that totally worked. So they drive a truck through the transmitter and save the town. Papa Midnight comes in, John's frenemy. Yep. And they they have a little exchange where John does the thing to stop Papa Midnight from getting the vinyl, from getting the acetate. By sending it to where? Right. And this was another one of the questions I had about the episode because Manny says to him, you know there's only one way to stop that. And he himself says it. There's only one thing you can do. And then he puts a lot of weight on it. He's like, do you have the courage to do it? And then later, John puts on the sex pistols and gets as close as he can and says some magic words and opens a hole to hell to summon something that's kind of like a trench to hell. But right. Yeah. That takes the record, the acetate and the two guys, I guess, or the two guys blowed up real big, (laughs) uh, like like (laughs) Willie Cole, the musician who splattered all over the inside of his studio, which might be what happened to them. But then the book itself, I mean, the book, it's the book, the, 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 yeah, acetate itself, the the record disappeared down this hole to hell. Yep. So it didn't seem like that was that big a thing for John to do. Well, the other thing for me was, if this is the only thing you can do with it, why did we not do this sooner? We had opportunities. This is not his first time seeing the acetate. He could have done it at Jasmine's house when they first saw the stupid thing. Right, but would he might not have done it there because that wouldn't have saved Jasmine's soul. He had the story about it being brokered. Right. He he was trying to save right. two things at once. You're right. But he wound up doing it anyway and then having to go back and save her soul in a different way. Right. But they hadn't quite worked all that out yet. Yeah. But it seemed really easy. Like It did. Manny made a big deal out of it. And then John just sort of said Latin, Latin, hocus pocus. And there it went. Right. And you went, oh, neat. So, and then the next question, of course, is did you, what's up with the giant hole to hell now? Right. That goes down a long way. Is, is this going to become the new At least it's not in the Sunnyvale? Or radio we, or Sunnyvale? Oh, or we, or is wait. it we got like a hell mouth now? Right. You know? I don't know. I don't know. And that's the thing is, there may be a cost to that spell that we didn't see. If there is, I'd like to see it play out in future episodes. Oh, 
That could be. Well, it'll because be interesting. This to see. episode right. makes a point of really drawing attention to the fact that magic has a price, and this was clearly, you know, a, a pretty big spell that he just cast. So, what's the cost? Right, right. Yeah, I hope that comes back. Yep. Because otherwise, a lot of Manny's, you know, there's only it, it, there's it, only one. Thing. Right. It it felt pretty straightforward and simple. So. Yeah, I, I hope that comes back. I agree. Then, of course, they go and save Jasmine from her continued stupid decisions and make uh, Anton the pawn, the soul broker. Yep. Eat the contract. Eat the contract. I'm Literally eat it. Yeah, that was fun. That was great. We call that part of the episode. In French, it's referred to as a denouement. A denouement. Is that how I say it in French? Mm-hmm. A denouement. A denouement. A denouement. Croissant. Croissant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I'm spent. So overall, no. I thought it was a good episode. I, I want to see more of the through line of the season. I want to see more of the whole overall mythology. What's the coming darkness referred to? Right. You know, uh, that kind of stuff. I, I want a little less convenience slash coincidence. And I want it to continue going down the path that's going of more darkness. It seems like every episode's getting darker than the one previous. Yeah, I think I talked about it either earlier today or in the last episode when David Goyer was in an interview I read with him. He said, everything we present to the network, they say, this is great. You can go further. Yep. And I hope they continue to do that because I love where some of this went. I want to see more of that. Right. You know, and it's interesting. There was a moment this this week. You know, I I know that I am like a dog with a bone when it comes to the whole Manny is evil. I don't think Manny is. I don't think Manny's a good guy. I think he's a bad guy. And I had a moment that made he me go. Kissed an old man's head today and escorted him to another place, Joe. Yes, Tony. But where was that other place? The kingdom of heaven, Joe. It's cute that you think that. Well, we don't really have indicators either way from the episode, truly. The thing that he made was me nice go, about it, hey, wait a minute, is when the devil record took possession of <laughs> Dr. Midnight's, uh, Dr. Midnight, when the devil record took possession of Papa Midnight's cronies, their eyes turned yellow, the exact same type of yellow that Manny's eyes are. Interesting. Now... The little girl's eyes turned yellow as well. They sure did, didn't they? Did their whole eyes turn yellow or just like... The, the, just like the, Manny's, the, the, mm, the yellow iris. Okay. I'm just saying. Interesting. There's this fan theory when they introduced the character of Anton, the broker. The uh, soul broker. The soul broker. Played by, if, if I saw it correctly, played by Neil Froger from Lost. Oh. Yep. I don't even... Okay, cool. So uh, there, there was a fan theory that when they heard the name Anton, a lot of fans were like, oh my God, is that Anton Arcane? For those of you who do not know, Anton Arcane is the major bad guy from the Swamp I Thing. didn't even think that. That's not Anton Arcane. I feel super confident in saying that. He Anton Arcane seem cool enough to not be even Arcane. close. Anton Arcane is a scientific Machiavellian monster genius. Not necessarily a Weasley soul peddling devil. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that was. I don't think so either. Sorry, uh, fans. Uh, who knows? Maybe he'll become that. Maybe, Maybe this is the origin story of Anton Arcane. Uh, we'll talk more about Anton Arcane and the Swamp Thing in the fee- in, in the feedback section. Yes, because I have sad news. I know, I, I don't I don't think that's going to be him though. No, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely not. So speaking of all that stuff, why don't we slide into some myth adventures? And now it's time for myth adventures, the part of the show where we pretend we know stuff. Uh, 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 Master of the dark arts. 
Um, Master of uh, the Dark Arts. <laughs> uh, um, um, uh. All right. So some cool myth adventure stuff this week. <laughs> what are they? Are they cool? cool. <laughs> First thing I noticed, and it just made me jump with glee because I am both a fan of blues and bluegrass and the supernatural. They told the Robert Johnson story. Yeah, that's basically Willie Cole. In this right, episode. Willie Cole. It's Robert Johnson. It's the Robert Johnson story. Robert Johnson, uh, real life uh, blues guitarist, one of the best that ever was. The long standing rumor, especially based on some of his songs, which have very heavy satanic y kind of lyrical mule to. Um, Stuff like, I got the blues because I sold my soul to the devil. Uh, Hellhound Blues is literally one of his songs. See? There you go. They, the Robert Johnson legend is that he sold his soul to the devil to become the greatest guitar player who ever was. And there are many who argue that that was the case. And I'm listening, I'm watching the story about the recording of this album thinking, oh my God, it's the Robert Johnson legend. Yep. You clever, clever fellows. And instead, Willie Cole, in mid-recording session, is summoned by the deceiver. And explodes. It explodes real big. Boom. <laughs> so that one obviously made me very happy and excited. The other thing that I thought was interesting is the idea of the evil record and the on the same episode where we introduced Papa Midnight. Uh, there were some voodoo practitioners who actually recorded their rituals onto vinyl records so that you could actually play the record and hear the voodoo ritual and cast the spell through the record. Which, again, I thought was a neat little nod to some actual old-time hoodoo religion. Very cool. Call me crazy. I just thought it was neat. No, absolutely. And I, I love that that ties in very nicely with the the story that we were telling and Dr. Doctor. I'm going to say Dr. Midnight again, too. And Papa Midnight as well. <laughs> the other thing we wanted to talk about in Myth Adventures was the Hand of Glory, which is a thing that... <laughs> real life thing i almost said yeah that's what i was gonna say it really exists now whether they do what they say they do is questionable <laughs> right but hands of glory do actually exist <laughs> exactly for example from wikipedia the hand of glory is the dried and pickled hand of a man who has been hanged often specified as being the left or sinister in latin hand dun, dun, dun. or if the man were hanged for murder the hand that did the deed and according to um, a bunch of old European beliefs, you could make a candle from the fat of a villain who had died uh, on the gallows. And if you lit it and put it in a hand of glory, which came from the same guy, then the candle would render everybody in the room motionless. Yes. It would freeze everyone. Uh, and you could only put it out with milk. It was so magical that water couldn't put it out. Man. I know. And then there's another version where the the if you use the hair of the dead guy as the wick in the candle, then whoever's carrying the candle, only that person can see the light Ooh. from the candle, which that version of the Hand of Glory, nerd alert, also showed up <laughs> in Harry Potter. Uh. Draco Malfoy used that version. And I can't even remember. There were like 27 books and 400 movies. I can't. But at one point, <laughs> something happened where he he did something. He was escaping from something. He cast some spell of darkness so that no one could see. And then he used the hand of glory candle to get himself out and escape this thing. Man, once again, is there any difference between Constantine and Harry Potter? They're essentially the same story. Basically, I, I mean, I think one of his tattoos is a little uh, lightning scar. 
Probably no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I thought it was fun that the Hand of Glory that they brought in and used it in a slightly different way. But I thought that was fun. Absolutely. And so go ahead. There was a little comic book reference in the episode that I really loved. When Papa Midnight came in with his Winchester rifle, that is the Ace of Winchesters, which he actually does have in the comic book. Uh, it is a gun designed for killing demons, and it is enchanted so that it rarely, if ever, misses. Dun, dun, dun. And I was like, look, there it is. And actually, in the comic books, John steals it from him at one point. And as you can imagine, Papa Midnight, super not happy about it. Well, now that that's been introduced, maybe that'll happen. That'll be fun. Right? He did blow the hell out of some speakers with it today, oh, man. though. Maybe they were demonic speakers. Well, could have been. They were playing demonic music. There it which is. is. Probably why the bullets didn't even miss. And I have to say, those speakers blew up pretty well. They for sure did. <laughs> I don't think that's how speaker would actually blow up. <laughs> but there's only one way to find out. Next week, we will tell you how right. much a speaker actually explodes. On Myth Adventures Busters. <laughs> <laughs> Joe can't join us this week because he's in the hospital. Right. As soon as they remove the speaker pieces from him, <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> All right, so that covers it for Myth Adventures. Let's talk about some feedback. My name is John Constantine. Here's where you can reach me. Something big's on its way. Feedback, feedback, feedback. So, Joe, we got a little feedback from Bayou Shaman. Thanks, Bayou Shaman. Bayou Shaman, we have a, we have a fan, and we, we love, love that. You. Uh, we don't know who you are. We don't know what gender you are, Bayou Shaman. We just like that you are part of our team. As long as you keep sending those donuts. Oh, so good. Buy you donuts. No, I'll buy you donuts. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Bayou Shaman sent us a note this week uh, with sad You broke news. my heart. Bayou Shaman, <laughs> I, I love you to pieces, but you broke my heart. Go ahead. It Jim. has been confirmed. Swamp Thing will not be appearing on Constantine. Not yet. Not yet. David Goyer said, we love Swamp Thing. We would love to have Swamp Thing on here. That's a lot of special effects, and season one is too early for that. So all this means is tell your friends and neighbors to watch Constantine. Spread the awesomeness of the show so Please. that more people watch it, which you should be doing anyway. Because then if we get season two or season three, we might see Swamp Thing. You know you want to see Swamp Thing on this show. Joe's casting suggestion, go with Clancy Brown. Go with Clancy Brown to play Swamp Thing. He's huge. He's got a great deep voice. He's a great actor. Go with Clancy Brown. I'm Clancy Brown, and I approve this message. <laughs> you could not sound less like Clancy Brown if your life depended I'm on it. Clancy. No, That's closer. <laughs> I do think it would be fun just to see Swamp Thing playing on a TV in the back. <laughs> the old Swamp Thing TV <laughs> show. Swamp, or For the, those or of you who did not movie. get my reference last week when I was doing the do not bring your evil here. That's from the opening of the Swamp Thing TV show. That would be fun. They would never do it because it would completely be a weird meta thing that wouldn't make sense at all. Are you kidding? I think it's every reason they should do it. <laughs> Maybe. So we also want to, during feedback, uh, we got several iTunes ratings. Thank you, yes. everyone who did that. Thank you. And thank you even to the person who gave us two stars. I don't know what we did that you didn't like, but I hope you let us know so we can do it better. But to everyone else who gave us five stars, thanks so much. It was me. I gave us the two stars. Joe, you're not really getting the whole... That's fine. Two stars is good, right? Sure. 
We also <laughs> want to thank Mad Dad 33 and Sooner Girl with several hours sooner girl for your wonderful reviews on itunes we appreciate that a lot we did get feedback earlier in the week joe from alita who before this episode gave us her thoughts on the last episode and she said she was a little concerned that zed was just going to be live 2.0 but considering she's a bit of her con herself uh, she's willing to consider that maybe Zed is fooling Constantine a little bit too. So we'll see where that goes. I agree, Alita. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. And also Alita mentioned that she was excited to see Papa Midnight. So thanks for letting us know. I want to hear your thoughts, what you thought of Zed after this episode. If you think she's leaning more in a direction that you're going to like, let us know. In addition, we did get one other nice long written feedback from Gezus. And this says, hi, I go by pseudonym Gesus. I'm a big fan of live action comic book adaptations and I watch them all, DC, Marvel, TV, movie. And the funny thing is that I haven't read comic books before and have a little knowledge of them. Same with Constantine. It only consists of what Wikipedia told me in in the Keanu Reeves movie, which I liked. He says that, or she, Gezus, says that we bring a lot of energy to the podcast and they liked it. However, they thought it was weird that we discussed the episode in random order. Uh, Not bad, just weird, period. Uh, Gezus, hopefully we addressed some of that this issue. I think this issue, this episode, I think we did a little better job of uh, trying to go in order. We talked about that, Joe and I did as well. Uh, Also... um, Geza said the biggest drawback is pacing, some jarring transitions, feels like something is missing, hoping it gets better, and thinks that Zed's vision's coming without touching or other triggers and blending with reality uh, is nice, but they need to establish her powers better, and some of the realizations from her visions can be a little jarring, and so we're hoping that uh, we don't just reduce her powers to a plot device, that they actually lead somewhere. And Gezus also, like many of us, loved Papa Midnight and said he was a scene stealer. So I agree. Thank you so much for your feedback, Gezus. Looking forward to hearing from you again and seeing what you think of next week's episode, which looks pretty cool. And anybody else listening, if you want to send us feedback, please do so. We love it. We love it. You can reach us via Twitter, like we talked about earlier, earlier at Constantine GSM. Don't you want to be like Angelica? <laughs> Rich? Fair enough. Because <laughs> I do, yes. Please g- send us in some feedback on Twitter. Also on our Facebook page. Yep. You can find us. That's easy. Face, face, Facebook, Facebook slash com. No. Let's back up and do this again. <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> I've forgotten completely how to use the English language. <laughs> Okay. Reach us at Facebook. We have a Facebook page that is at facebook.com slash groups slash the devil you know. We are the devil you know. I can't believe I managed to get all of that out. (laughs) We're all very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. Send us your thoughts on the show because we want to include them here in the feedback section. What else we got, Tone? Joe, one thing we haven't talked about yet is the ratings from this week, which did go up a little bit. Good news. So they're still not stunning, but 
They went up. Uh, they are only 0.3, so three-tenths of a rating behind Grimm, which is good because Grimm is a great lead-in, which means they retained a lot of Grimm's uh, audience this week. Yep. So that's an encouraging thing. Uh, I'm Keep excited it up, about that. Yeah, no kidding. Let's go because I want to get season two or three so we can see some Swamp Thing. We got to get our Swamp Thing. <laughs> that's excellent. So, folks, I think that's about all we got today. It was great chatting with you again, as always. Please, if you uh, like this podcast or like really podcasts in general, check out goldenspiralmedia.com. There's some wonderful things there, especially if you're a fan of comic book genre shows. There are, are shows about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and about Gotham and about The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead and Flash, as well as some great non-comic book podcasts, things following. They have television shows that about things that aren't comic books? Yes. Oh, you mean the news. The, right. Yeah. Survivor. <laughs> no. Actually, in a lot of ways, the news is starting to feel a lot more like a comic book lately. Or Survivor. Of course. Wow. What? Fair enough. <laughs> so please check out goldenspiralmedia.com and the wonderful podcasts there. And we, we love to get a lot of crosstalk going between this podcast and some of the other comic book podcasts because I'm determined to get some kind of crossover on the show. Please. <laughs> I just want once to see the red streak of Flash go running through wherever Constantine is. Just really like break the barriers and have the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show up to question Constantine. <laughs> what is happening? Right. We're looking for a piece of alien technology. I don't have that. I got this, I got this hand of glory. <laughs> and some duct tape. They just leave. Fly <laughs> off in the low level flying car. That'd be fabulous. Won't happen. So thanks for being here, folks. We really appreciate it. We will see you next week for another fabulous episode of Constantine. Until then, remember, if you're going to do your spells, do them naked and covered in blood. Or, you know, if you're cooking, do it naked and covered in blood. Really, there's, there's no scenario in which being naked and covered in blood does not help you. I don't know that that's true. We're very different people on some <laughs> fundamental levels, Tony. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Are you a podcaster who loves creating great content but gets overwhelmed by the audio editing process? Are you a business professional or an entrepreneur that wants to start a podcast but aren't sure where to begin? You need Pro Podcast Solutions. Pro Podcast Solutions has a robust suite of services to equip podcasters and help podcasters create better content than ever before. Visit propodcastsolutions.com today and find out how you can get your first episode produced for free. That's propodcastsolutions.com.